I'm Adam. And I'm Tara. We're the Basic Snitches, and we do a reread podcast on a very popular book series about magic and wizards and a dangerous wizard school. If you don't already subscribe to our podcast, it's on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, all of the places. We've just wrapped up book one of that book series. Following the wrap-up of book one, we'll take a few weeks off, then be back at it again with book two, the one with the snakes. We'd love for you to join us on our reread. Spoiler warning, Basic Snitches is not a spoiler-free podcast. This includes today's special topic, the amazing play Puffs, or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic. Today we're going to chat about the play itself, then we're going to talk about what it's like to put on the play, and last we're going to interview some of our cast members. So if you're already listening to Basic Snitches, you are already familiar with our chapter outlines. Today Tara and I have prepared some scene outlines, if you will. So if you do not want to be spoiled with the plot of Puffs, and you're going to be seeing it very soon, just listen after you see the show. Please. Yes. Without further ado, we're going to give you a quick rundown of what happens in Puffs the Play. Year one, we meet Wayne. He's the protagonist of the story. This story follows a timeline that we seem to be quite familiar with. Wayne is an orphan raised by an uncle, a much nicer uncle than the one we know that raises a certain other orphan that we may have heard of. Suddenly he discovers that he's a wizard and must go to school in England, which is a magical place. Wayne's uncle Dave did not tell him he was a wizard or that his dead parents were actually British because plot points. Once Wayne makes it to the magical school for wizards, he is sorted with the puffs, who nobody likes. Wayne meets his classmates, a bunch of misfits, and a guy named Cedric, who was popular despite being a puff. On his first day, Wayne meets Oliver, another puff who was a really good student until he became a wizard. Together, Wayne and Oliver befriend Megan, who nobody likes because her mom is evil and in wizard prison. We shall henceforth refer to them as the trio. The puffs try to earn points, and while they manage to survive scary classes, trolls, and flying lessons, it's clear that this school is not safe for children. Though they ultimately reach their goal of third place at the end of the school year, their victory is stolen from them by favoritism. It's year two, the year that a giant ancient snake began attacking students the same year it was discovered a certain other student could talk to snakes. Oliver is not as smart as he is used to being and then gets assaulted by a child with a camera. Megan lets her friends know that a secret chamber has been opened. How cool! Professor Lockie is excited for Dueling Club. Blondo Malfoy makes a snake appear in Jay Finch's hand. He screams. Harry starts speaking in tongues. Everyone screams. Jay Finch is certain that Harry is out to get him, but despite the puffs asking him to stay, he begins to prance around the castle until he runs into the ghost, Mr. Nick, after which they are both frozen. Wayne knows that it's his duty to save the school, and he runs into his future wife, Ginny, and tells her to throw a book into a toilet. It's the end of the year! A lot of things happen quickly, but everyone ends up being okay, and nobody died except for that snake. Year three. As year three is about to begin, the trio are writing letters when Megan reveals that an evil murderer has broken out of wisdom Pris, probably to come rescue her from magic. Because of magic, the students are able to take new courses in their third year. Also because of magic, the classes all happen at the same time, and somehow this one student is in all the classes at once, and somehow it seems like maybe the same teacher also teaches all three classes at once? Wow! Magic! Then on Halloween, they find out the murderer has broken into the school and end up having a slumber party in the Great Hall. Cedric begins telling them a great bedtime story about the first puff, Helga, before some nosy narrator takes over. Unfortunately, the puffs don't get to hear the whole story because the headmaster makes them go to bed because the murderer left. Megan is sad because the murderer did not rescue her, but everyone is cheered up because the next day they have a field trip. Yay, field trip! It's time for the Three Wizard Tournament in year four. A French girl and a breakdancing intimidating guy get chosen by the cup, and so does Cedric. Yes! 
Oh no, but so does Harry. Everyone is bummed, but the headmaster is still super fucking calm about it. They make badges. Ron is a butthole. The real Mr. Moody messes with spiders, and the puffs are very excited. Cedric has many admirers. Hannah, Leanne, and Jay Finch. He gets interviewed by the press. Wayne gives him a lot of great advice, but Harry comes in and spoils the first task. It's dragons! Cedric and the dragon have a great boxing match, and he retrieves the egg. It's time for the ball. Clumsy Longbottom swoops in and gets Wayne's woman. So instead he takes Leanne. Jay Finch is imaginary. Also, Oliver and Megan decide to go to the ball together. Cedric goes to the bathroom. He meets Myrtle and learns about mermaids. Time for the ball. There is a slow dance. The lake task is not very exciting, but Cedric ties with Harry, so that's fun. Cedric gives Wayne some great advice about how the puffs are awesome. The third task happens, and well, you know how that goes. Year five, nothing happens except Oliver and Megan make out and Wayne is a dick. Year six, Voldy is back and he can't keep his hands to himself. This also means that Mrs. Jones is back too. Oliver and Megan are determined to help Wayne find a girlfriend. Susie and Sally are options. Everyone is hooking up. Wayne joins the sports team and we meet Zach Smith. He's rude and crude and also fucking rad. This is a one man team, Zach Smith! Mrs. Jones kidnaps Megan while Wayne learns about sex ed. Mrs. Jones also catches Oliver and Wayne and urges Megan to kill them, but Xavier Jones is not what she's seen. We learn the rest of the tragic yet rewarding history of the Puffs, and Wayne repeats the great advice Cedric told him before he died, and against all odds, they sort of defeat Mrs. Jones. We see the weird mirror again, the trio learns spells for once, and then the headmaster dies. Year seven. In the final year, the teachers torture kids, and Oliver doesn't come back to school because he is a mugborn. Megan and Wayne stick together until that fucker Harry comes back and starts an actual war. But the Puffs, while known for not being a threat, are loyal, nice, good people, also badgers, who do what is right. So they join Harry's war, not for him, but for each other. Sadly, many of our beloved Puffs do not survive the war, but die protecting each other. Cute tears. Megan's mother comes back and ultimately shows her true colors. She and Megan survive the war, as does Oliver, but Wayne does not. After he dies at the feet of his best friends, and next to the body of their house elf friend who has always been there, he wakes up to find the headmaster waiting for him. Except just kidding, the headmaster is not waiting for him, he's waiting for fucking Harry. Of course he is. So Wayne is dead. Cue more tears. But his memory lives on with his puff friends and in his namesake, Wayne, the son of Megan and Oliver, who you meet 19 years later. And what house do you think he ends up in? Well, nobody knows because they literally end the play there, which is rude. But also, I have a pretty good guess. Me too. He's a snake. Absolutely. Anyways, <laughs> that recap of Puffs was just about as fast-paced as it is being in the actual show. Oh my gosh. Both of us are in the show. I primarily play Jay Finch Fletchley, and I also play um, a variety of other characters, including Zach Smith, Victor, Clumsy Longbottom, Fat Fryer, Uncle Dave, and more. Oh, I play Hannah. I'm Hannah. <laughs> uh, and a lot of professors. A lot of them. And I also play Xavier. Yeah. We both play ourselves, but then we also... <laughs> I play mostly myself in various stages, and then for the first time ever, Tara gets to be a villain, because she is not at all villainous in her real life. Whatever. <laughs> I'm very villainous. You all who know Tara know that to be true. <laughs> yeah, I'm a badass. <laughs> so we have some questions for one another, but we also have just kind of general questions about what it's like to be in the show. And the first question is, what was our opinion of Hufflepuffs before we saw Puffs? 
So I always identified as a Hufflepuff. Before the official sorting hat quiz on Pottermore, I was like, I'm totally a Hufflepuff. And whenever people are like, what's your secondary house? I always say Hufflepuff. I love Hufflepuffs. They're great. When I really got into the series, the very first puff that I became friends with was my friend Cora, who I know listens to this. So what's up, Cora? I just kind of always viewed puffs as being super even-tempered, super just chill, friendly, loyal people. And I always felt like Hufflepuffs got a bad rap. They totally do, I think. If you even listen to our first season, you'll hear many times when there are characters in the series who shit on the Puffs. But really when you get down to it, and I think this show helps, Puffs are great. They have a lot of really wonderful qualities. There's one specific quote from the show that I think really, really works. And it's something that Helga Hufflepuff says, why can be one thing when you can be everything else? And I think that really yeah, wraps up I love that. what a puff is. You don't just have to be one specific thing. What was your first reaction to seeing puffs? So the first time I saw this, it was the recorded version with Fathom Events that played Puffs in movie theaters, and I have since purchased it on Amazon Prime and watched it several times. <laughs> it is just fucking phenomenal. The The style of it is a little bit like ramshackle and kind of thrown together, but thrown together in the most artistic, creative, beautiful way. Yeah. The characters are just so unique enough, but still just Hufflepuffly enough. And then when I saw it in New York, to actually be there and just to see it live and in person, it was unbelievable. I sat in the back of New World Stages. There's one moment where the actress Andy Miller comes on, and I literally could have just like tapped her on the shoulder. I was literally right next to her. It just has this immersive, wonderful feel at the moment you get in there. And yeah, it was just amazing. So for me, I saw it live when it moved off Broadway the first time to the Electra, which is actually no longer there. Puffs was like the last thing in the Electra or one of the last things. And so I went to see the show and when I walked in, they had this very small lobby with a bar area and they had these like photos and lists and stuff hanging up like they did in the back of the theater at New World Stages. That's what they had hanging up in the lobby at the Electra. And so I was like, oh, this is really cute. And I was there early. And so I spent all this time looking at it and reading it. And I was just really excited. And then I walked into the theater and the theater there is wider than, I don't know that it was wider, but it was more like elongated than New World Stages. They had the the candles hanging from the ceiling, like the Great Hall oh feel. And they had like burlap hanging up there. It was, it was just very cool. But I didn't know what to expect. I was like, this is a parody about the Hufflepuffs. And I didn't expect it to be any but funny and there's just a lot of heart and I really loved it and I've since seen it several times I'd seen it I saw it one more time at the Electra and then I saw it three times total at (laughs) New, uh, New World Stages every time was just wonderful seeing it so I actually got to see it closing weekend they just closed on August 18th their run that I know they didn't expect to last forever, but it was like a really long run. And we saw it, it was like their fifth to last show. And it was just, the energy on that stage was nothing like I'd ever seen before. And the energy on the stage before was amazing. So seeing it live, but I have to tell you about that particular performance. We were sitting second row, like I was sitting like dead center next to Brian, who's playing Wayne. I was like already crying minutes into the show because just the energy and Ryan Stinnett, who was playing the, the narrator, he was so engaging and he just, I think, pulled all of us in from the second that it started. 
But it was during the battle scene that I was like really shocked by how emotional I felt when Jay Finch died. And it was the whole scene. It Obviously, it wasn't just Jay Finch's death, which is very sad. But it was seeing the actors playing those roles do that scene in this way that just felt so real in kind of a scary way actually but so Alex Haynes was playing Jay Finch and Steve Stout who has played Ernie Mac the entire run you know the way the scene goes is that Ernie Mac is standing on stage alone and a death buddy comes on and hits him with a curse and in their blocking he like gets hit with a curse and he just like cries out like he's in pain and that's when Jay Finch comes on and Alex Haynes looked over at him in like the way you would if your friend is like ow I need help or whatever he's like takes that second to look over at his friend and he has this like look of concern on his face because we're in a battle and then my friend could be in a really really bad place right now and the look of concern on his face was only matched by the look of devastation on Steve Stout's face when he dies so that moment he takes to look over to make sure his friend is okay is when the death buddy kills him and the staging of that was so beautiful and the facial expressions between those two actors I'm like this is a Harry Potter parody. This is a comedy. You just watch them like do the Mac and Finch routine and you're like, this is funny. Like, and I was like, this is heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking because you saw these two actors who worked together really closely, who got to have that moment. And just like in the emotion of the final weekend was just beautiful. I was like sobbing over their (laughs) facial expressions. I was like, fuck you both. I was already sad. Jay Finch's death while always sad for me, was never, like, the thing that ripped me to pieces. Yeah. Because I know what's happening next, you know? And I was like, fuck you both. With your, <laughs> with your, I love this person I'm acting with so much that my facial expressions can literally break hearts. Fuck you both. <laughs> I do want to also say, in fact, the very first time that I ever heard about Puffs was from Tara. Oh. The bitch wouldn't stop talking about it. But <laughs> also, also that. But also... She mentioned, like, when you go into theater, and I kind of touched on this too, but it's so immersive because there's, like, letters from one puff to another on the back wall. And if you actually see the version on Amazon Prime, you can see some of the other um, kind of... They're not really set dressings. They're, like, house dressings that are very puff-related. Like, empty frames where there would typically be, like, the headmaster would walk in or some other portrait. It just really encapsulates the entire atmosphere It's a beautiful design. Madeline Bundy did the design. Yes. She also plays Susie and Harry in the show. Well, I guess played because it is closed now. Her set and costume designs are just fantastic. Absolutely. And I applaud her. Before Puffs, did you have a favorite Hufflepuff? And what about now? Well, my favorite Hufflepuff will always be Steve, my best friend. <laughs> yes. Steve is the best Hufflepuff on the planet. He's literally right over there. He's literally (laughs) right in the room with us. Hi! Oh, shit! There's our second actual special guest. That's right. And the first special guest of this episode. Yeah, Steve! (laughs) So, Steve is my best friend. I love that he's a puff because, of course, he is. But from the series, I actually, my favorite Hufflepuff, before the seventh book, I didn't really care. I guess my favorite Hufflepuff was probably Tonks. But then the seventh book, I changed that answer. My favorite Hufflepuff is Ernie McMillan because he is the one that stands up and says, what if we want to stay and fight? My read of that book was like just so high emotion that this moment of anyone helping Harry was like so 
moving to me. At that time, I also thought I was a Hufflepuff. So I was like, yeah, Hufflepuff. You know, and of course I know Ernie Mac is, Ernie McMillan, obviously, (laughs) is a Hufflepuff because I thought I was a Hufflepuff. So I paid attention to the Hufflepuffs reading the series the first full time. And that just was always my favorite thing. And it was fun to pay attention to him on subsequent read-throughs of the book because I'm like, he's kind of an arrogant little asshole, but he's a good guy. And one of my favorite lines spoken by any character in the series. Originally, I was going to pick up Bona Sprout. We talk already in the first season about how she's amazing and we will talk more about her in the second season. And she is still right up there, but I actually changed my thought. And my favorite puff is Newt Scamander. Oh, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Ian. I know that the Fantastic Beast movies have gotten not the best critiques across the board, but I love them. There's only two so far. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Crimes of Grindelwald, the moment that we are recording this. And I just love Newt. I do too. And then... Our last question is, if you could add one more character to Puffs from the books, who would it be and why? So prior to this, I was um, chatting with Tara online and I was like, I totally know what my answer is. And Tara predicted this. I would love to see Professor Umbridge in here. My thought is that would be similar to the Professor Umbridge from a very Potter musical who is played by a dude and is very like muscly and aggressive like the real Professor Umbridge is. But I feel like Puffs put a special twist on her and I would really, really love to see what that is. I told Tara before this as well, I do not like Professor Umbridge. She's a bitch that we all love to hate, but her character adds something nice, I suppose. Nice might not be the best word to the entire series as well. What about you? Not in the same way, but along the same idea. She would not add to Wayne's story, which Mm -hmm. I think is a reason why she didn't make it in. Same with the character that I would choose, which is Luna Lovegood. Because I love Luna. She's just such a great addition to the series. If Luna were a puff, obviously she'd be amazing. Yeah. But she's a great Ravenclaw. I don't know if I can even think of a character that I think would add to Wayne's story. When you said that, I thought of Cho Chang. Not necessarily Wayne's story, but Cedric's for sure. And another Ravenclaw. Yes. But yeah, I think they do a really good job of incorporating who needs to be in the yeah, story. Yeah, and it's wonderful. So when you're seeing it, you're like, oh, Umbridge would have been great. Yes, but that... How? Yeah, yeah. and and also year five <laughs> is just a year that you can't really, you Relate know... Relate back to the Hufflepuffs too much. Yeah. It does it perfectly. I think that the script is beautiful. Matt Cox, you're a genius. Oh, so now we have some questions for each other, and I'm going to ask Tara some questions about her characters in the show. And my first is, how do you relate to your main character, Hannah? Well, essentially I am Hannah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Oh, good. <laughs> Let's celebrate my awkwardness. No, I mean, yes, I'm awkward like Hannah, but the other thing about Hannah is sometimes I say things and I don't actually know where I'm going with what I'm saying, and that's... Hannah. (laughs) She doesn't say much in the show because I have to play 8,000 other characters, but definitely there are times where I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. And I think Hannah also doesn't know where she's going when she says certain things because she's not thinking about what it is she's saying or realizing what it sounds like to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Similarly, what is it like playing a villain when you're not very villainous of a person yourself? It's so fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. 
I have played villains-ish before in theater. And I also have to say that watching Tara be a villain is also amazing. There are some parts where it's completely hilarious. It's also, I don't know, it fits, if she has to play a villain, it fits her very well. I'm not really certain how to respond to that, but... (laughs) That's Thank as much you. as I'm going to say, too. Okay. <laughs> so my last question for you is about your other characters, other than those two. What is it like balancing the variety of teachers that you play in the show? I don't... None of my teachers that I play really get a lot of stage time. So it's not as stressful as I had expected it to be, to be like, oh my god, I have to come up with these five or six completely distinctive characters. Costuming really helps with that. And the fact that literally none of them make very many appearances. So that's really nice. Mostly it's really hard to just not copy what Ellie Phillips does on the recording (laughs) because she's perfect. But it's fun. Also being like the producer of the show and gathering costuming and, and putting together props with Dan. My brain is always in all of those places. I'm not just thinking about playing the character. I'm like, I still need to have this and not just like when other actors are thinking I need this I'm like I need this and I need to figure out where it's coming from and these are my 40 ideas about how to make it happen so more of it's about balancing that than I think being like my characters are they all sound kind of the same who cares I don't know if that's necessarily true I, I, think I guess wear lots of glasses where they sound just different enough it's I, like I think that's the <laughs> point so that's yeah. what I'm going for yeah. I guess so I have a few questions for you, and then we're going to start interviewing the cast yes. of you. First of all, you play quite a variety of characters, too, and they're all very different. You have so many, like, super quick changes. Mm-hmm. How was that? I can only think of one other show that I've done where I had quick changes as quick as they are in this show. There are times where we have to get in costume, run on stage as one character, say a couple lines, run across the back of the stage, put on another costume, run right back out. It's exhilarating, but also somewhat stressful. (laughs) Right now, obviously, we're still in rehearsal, so it isn't as fine-tuned, but it's still pretty awesome. I do think, kind of maybe unlike your last answer, some of them are just different enough. Victor is, of course, a little bit more intimidating. Then I play Clumsy Longbottom, who is not intimidating whatsoever and a little shy. And then Jay Finch, who is very flamboyant. So they do all have a little bit more of a distinction, which also helps. What is it like preparing for the off-cuff stuff as Zach Smith? So I love Zach Smith. Zach Smith is, I mean, Jay Finch is probably my favorite, but Zach Smith is a very close second. And I haven't really prepared my monologues quite yet. Um, I can't just go out there and like talk off of the top of my head. That's just, I'm a planner, you know. But it's exciting the prospect of what it could be. Even just now in rehearsals, going out and being a dick to everybody on stage is pretty amazing. If nothing else, you just get to come on stage and be a dick and leave. Yeah, that's fine. exactly. And even just in that short period of time, how to be more and more of a dick each time and exploring the other sides of my dickishness. Fun. You have a lot of like prop things that you deal with in the show. Mm -hmm. How is that working for you? Some of them are really, really fun. Since I play Jay Finch, I get petrified in the show. The way that I get taken off stage is extremely fun and a little bit different from what I've experienced in the past. And you're going to have to see it for yourself because I really don't want to spoil it on the podcast. That's a fun one. There are some other gags in terms of where I get petrified 
a prop that I have that I use with Victor. Overall, the props in this that show... That prop is going to murder someone. Uh, yes. Maybe you. You're going to murder yourself. It could very well slice my hand off. <laughs> so, But all the props in the show are really amazing. They're basically all handmade, or we had to scavenge for them or something. In fact, after we record this podcast, um, a lot of the cast will be sticking around and will be making some of the props. Right. So definitely pay attention to those elements in the show. So that's the end of the questions I have for you. You're going to next hear us talking to uh, members of the cast and also the director. Yes. So enjoy. Um, Almost the entire group will be here. We are going to be missing three people. Olivia Petri, who is playing uh, Sally Perks and others. Katie Poshner, who is playing... Susie E. Bones and Harry and also Myrtle and Clarice Bush, who is our stage manager. So now we're going to introduce you to the cast of The Puffs. Say hi, everyone. Hi! So our first interview is going to be with our director, Dan. We uh, also just want to apologize in advance. We're doing constructive things in the house, so you might hear some background noise, and that's just how life is. <laughs> anyway, this is Dan Hensiger. He is directing Puffs. He also designed all of the tech elements and is making real magic happen in the show. Dan, what has it been like to put together the production? This production has been absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> I've literally been working on it for about three months. On top of working on several other shows in the meantime and, you know, having a real life. But this particular show has so many random elements between being both magic and comedy. There's so many sight gags and I've spent probably three hours making the prop for a 10 second joke on some of these. It's just been crazy and not something that seems like a normal show. All your props look great. I love all of the things that you've made for the show. Um, It's been, yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool to see just the new thing you bring to work. Oh, absolutely. That's my favorite part. Especially seeing you guys' reactions anytime I bring something in and like knowing something as it's half done and like having that moment of doubt where it's like, is this really gonna read? And then it gets fully done and it's like, yes, that is exactly what I wanted it to look like. That is better than I expected. I love that. It's great. There are several that I think almost look better than the production. So it's it's amazing to see how things are pro- progressing. Well, they're different, and that's great because yeah. to show off his creativity mm-hmm. and our uniqueness, too. Yeah. In the same vein, because you make so many of the props, which is has been your favorite to work on? That's a hard question. I'm really happy with all of the sock puppets. Um, each of them has their own little character, which is great. And, and I had some really minor thoughts about what I wanted for each one, but then I just spent time in a Joanne fabric and I walked down the aisle and I'm like, this I definitely need. And I found the random pair of sunglasses that Rick Griff is wearing and like (laughs) that inspired his, the rest of his character. So it was really fun to just start with very minor ideas and let essentially shopping decide what they look like. That's really fun. <laughs> yeah. That's so outside of my realm of, I, I'm not artistic at all like that. <laughs> Along those lines, what about the sound and the like music and stuff and the tech even? Like what has been, what are you most excited to show to the audience with that? The sound portion is something that's kind of new to me. So I, I'm not going to lie. That's the part that I'm stressing about the most. I sing a little bit, I'm okay with music, but it's been like the biggest 
undertaking that's new for me. Mm -hmm. So just, I think all of it, just knowing the things that I myself personally wrote versus some of the things that I found some royalty-free stuff to, to toss in, but it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how it all fits together as one cohesive sound design. We have spent many a rehearsal laughing at the first time we hear a, a yes. sound cue or something just because <laughs> of like your choices to bring back some 90s sounds. We love them. That's why we were curious. Yeah. And There's then, a lot of nostalgic moments. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the other important thing that I really tried to do with the sound, because this show flows from place to place and time to time so quickly... Uh, the sound actually is the information for the audience where, hey, we're in a different place now. Hey, two days have passed in this two-second period. So that's really the important portion of the, the sound design. But there's also a lot of it that's just designed to make the audience giggle. It's so fun. So out of everything that happens in the show, if there would be an additional scene added to the year of your favorite Potter book, what would that be? And what is your favorite Potter book, I guess? That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the first yeah. question. <laughs> I'm actually pretty partial to year five in the books. Yay! Year yeah. five in the show is literally the shortest portion of the show. I would have liked a little more of the DA to have been a thing in the show. I like the scene that does happen with the DA, but I think there are some fun ways you could have brought that back and had some... Um, moments and I was actually just reading um, one of the characters Zach Smith who started out as something totally different than what he actually is in the show he actually started out in a scene with the DA that's the year that Harry's all angsty and he's supposed to be oh, I was hanging out with my new best friend Zach Smith who is also like this angsty character so I think that's there could have been a really good opportunity with the DA to create Zach Smith as an entirely different character that's cool. I had no idea. Uh, me either. That's awesome. Yeah. This isn't one of our questions, but are there any other scenes that you know of that have been cut? So in the back of the script, they talk about a few. One of the really interesting ones that I thought could have worked really well was there's a whole detective Leanne bit and Leanne is this character who is the trope of being like the stupid one almost. Not quite, but you get this moment where she suddenly starts getting really intelligent and figuring a bunch of things out and it's it's just a really cool throughput that she's like getting smarter and smarter and she's the one figuring out all of these mysteries and then she gets hit on the head and forgets all of it um <laughs> and i think that would have been really good joke but i understand why they cut it because it's a really long setup and it takes so much time to do um that's another thing about this show looking at it and even some of the things that are in it, there are so many good jokes that we can make, but a lot of them you have to balance. Like I have only so much time, so do I focus on really punching one joke or punching another one, and you have to trade off sometimes. So that's been one of the challenges in directing and, and moving the show forward is deciding which beats get that, that moment from the audience. Well, thank you, Dan, for yeah. talking to us about it. Absolutely. And also for directing us and having <laughs> a fun course. time. <laughs> it is so Anything much fun. Anything else that you want to just share about the show at the very end here? It's going to be awesome. That's <laughs> like, I'm so excited about it. You just need to come see the show. Yes. Yes. We agree with that. <laughs> we do. Thank you so cool. much. Cool. Thank you so much, Dan. Next, we have the narrator of the story of the Puffs, who is played by Nathan Ott. Hi, guys. Hi. Or Nate. Can we tell you Nate on here, or what do you want to be called? Whichever you prefer. 
Can we call you whatever we want? I mean, yeah, I guess. I took my, <laughs> my high school economics class writing whatever you prefer on my papers because I told the teacher that and he goes, oh, well, that's what your name is. <laughs> awesome. So whatever we prefer. The first question that I have for you is to just kind of tell us about yourself and the character that you play in the show and what your real life house is. Well, I'm Nate I. I'm a music teacher. Uh, I went to school to study music. I played the tuba, all that fun stuff. I like a good polka. <laughs> I love that so Listen, much. Listen, half my family is Italian immigrants, so polking is something I just grew up with. I wish you could have seen tear in my face. Yeah, we both lit up. I'm so pleased. Who doesn't enjoy a good polka, let's be honest? People who are wrong. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> a few people have that opinion, Tara. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm not music teacher. I like music. My real-life house, official sorting, I guess we'll say, is a Ravenclaw or a Smart, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. And I play the narrator. He's the guy that keeps things trucking. And, Someone uh, has to. Yes. Especially... He tries to keep this thing on track. He is the guy who cuts year five short. <clears throat> Noted as Dan's favorite year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> right. It's a big year. Guys, I'm out of go. <laughs> Sorry. So as the narrator, you're separate from the action, mostly. But which scene in the show... Do you wish you could be more actively involved in? The epic battle. You know, all this stuff happens. Everyone is on stage except the narrator. <laughs> I have two lines and then chaos erupts. So yeah, that one looked pretty fun when you guys were rehearsing it as I was practicing my lines outside, staring through the window. <laughs> Not like a creeper. <laughs> yes, that is uh, a moment a of, of chaos. Yes. Entire chaos, scene. yes. I de- that is definitely one of the scenes I enjoy the most. Uh, the other one I was going to say was with the dragon, but then I realized, no, I actually do get to interact with the dragon. Yes, you Lily's do. Because pretty hilarious as the dragon. So. I do like that part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite year to tell in the story? Year four. Because, I mean, it starts off with the whole idea that it's puffs in the year they mattered. So, from the perspective of the narrator, it's kind of the most important year. It's where the puffs do the most growing. It's where a lot of stuff happens. A lot of character changes occur towards the end of that year. Hashtag spoiler alert, Cedric dies. Oh no! <laughs> no one saw that coming. Right, year four. <laughs> I mean, in the books, it's Prisoner of Azkaban is definitely my favorite. But in puffs, year. definitely yeah. year four. It's a really good year for the puffs. And yeah, you do spend a lot of time, like, I the show does do. not work without the narrator, especially in that scene. Well, now I sound like I'm a narcissist, but yeah, I do like that, but not just because I'm in it, but no, like, I you're right, that, though. you didn't. The narrator okay. does do a lot, and I had never, I never thought about that. That is the year where I'm probably the most involved. Well, and it's such a big year, like, so much happens that mm-hmm. we can't put in the story that it helps that you're telling the story there, you know? Yeah. I do love the narrator and the... I think that's my favorite year for the narrator. Yeah. I think the um, other one, of course, is year one, because everything is very introductory. Right. But but year four is is a huge year for the Puffs. Do you have a least favorite? Hmm. I know it's hard. Sophie's Choice. I mean, year seven, I don't do much. Well, true. Snake snake jumped out and said, grab him, and the Puffs reacted accordingly. There is the narrator for year seven. (laughs) (laughs) I do enjoy the epilogue, though, too. 19 years later. I do love the epilogue. I like trains. I like trains. I don't have to say one more thing. I like trains. No, do you have anything else to say about the show um, and your experience? I mean, it's a really fun time. I haven't done a show in four years. Like, when we first all introduced each other, I was like, oh, I'm in this show, and I did this and this. And I'm like, "Uh, hi, I'm Nate. Haven't done a show in four years. So I'm really enjoying this you know, chance to be back in theater after that long, and it's a fun show. It's just hysterical. There's laughs all throughout. Some some jokes are real quick. Others kind of 
they sink there and you have to think about them, but it's a good time and the cast is fun, so. We love having you. If yes. you could play any of the characters, would you want to play any of any of them? Or you just want to be the narrator? I'm really well suited for the narrator. <laughs> kind of a fan of the narrator. I mean, you're great. I mean, you all do a great narrator. job, but definitely. Yeah, you're a great narrator, so yeah, we love having you. Yay. Cool. Also, Thanks, Nate. Also, Nate always brings really good snacks to get together. Yes. The fancy end. stuff. Yes. Like meat. <laughs> Real fancy. And cheese. I mean, it's good meat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. So next is Kyle Burnett. He is playing Cedric and Voldy. Mr. Voldy. Correct, Mundo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, tell us about yourself, your character. Uh, sure. So like you said before, my name is Kyle Burnett. Uh, I... Recently relocated from Cleveland to Akron. I am a musical theater major. I graduated, it's what, two years ago now? It's what, what year? 2019? What year is it? Um, this is my first Broadview Heights show. I'm super excited to finally be in the space and whatnot, getting to, after seeing a few shows and knowing all the people there who I really, I just adore everyone there. And I'm really excited to get started, especially with such a great show, Heil Premiere. It's really exciting. And my character, so Cedric, when we start the show, he's a third year puff. He's this kind, charming model Hufflepuff that you see. He is making sure that everyone's welcome. Everyone is feeling that, like they belong, no matter how much crap they get thrown at them, especially since they're kind of the butt of everyone's joke in the magic and magic school. But he makes it so that everyone feels welcome into the puff house. Everyone is loved. Everyone is always respected, and he pulls out the best in everyone, I think. And like in every character, you don't get to see it, but hopefully my portrayal will show <laughs> And then uh, we all know who Mr. Voldy is. He's the Dark Lord. He's everyone's favorite supervillain. He's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of been modeling my characteristics. I've been watching a lot of like Star Kid, Potter Musical, and mm. a little bit of that, but a lot of um, him from the Powerpuff Girls has really just <laughs> <laughs> made its way into. <laughs> That's why he's kind of a, a lot right now. It's so fun. It's it's ridiculous. Like I'm having a lot. I I love Cedric, and like I feel Cedric and I are like one, but like Foldy is just so different from who I am, and it's just ridiculous. I think he lives deep inside me and I like finally released him and now he's gonna stay which is terrifying <laughs> it is a little terrifying especially with all the experimentation we've been doing with the character it's been a blast yes. oh my god Tara knows firsthand that's <laughs> <laughs> fun in addition to that question mm -hmm. you are one of our true puffs I am in the show what makes you a puff? It's a really good question. Because when I was younger, I used to be so, like, I'm a Gryffindor through and through because it was, like, trying to follow the crowd and whatnot. And then I finally embraced my puffiness, I think, right before I started college. And I was like, no, I'm definitely a puff because I'm one of those people that plays a lot into astrology science and I'm a Libra. Hell yes. It makes so much sense. It honestly makes so much sense. I talk about astrology and all that shit so much in this podcast. <laughs> good, good. It's important. Yes. I learn things in this podcast. Yes, shit. The one thing that makes me the most puffiest is just, I love people. I'm a very people person. I get very lonely when I'm not around people. I need to be talking to people, whether that be in person on the phone, 
I'm a very personal person. I will go out of my way to make sure that you are being listened to, you're being welcomed, that you're important, you feel important, just because I feel like that's, that's important quality to have. And while sometimes there's like pros and cons to both of that and whatnot, I, I try to make it so that I just can put my best foot forward so that people can put their best foot forward. Like, you can get back what you give. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's a great answer. Thank that. you. So you also, obviously, a Cedric, you play yes. an... Arguably the most pivotal character in the show. Of course, the trio. Yeah, well. I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're one of them. But you also have not as much stage time as well. If you were to choose a character from the original series into the show to add to your track, who would it be? And how would that character affect Wayne's story? Ooh, oh, this is a good question. <laughs> oh, I came up with that, that one. Hers. That's a really good question, Tara. <laughs> because previously we both said who we wanted to add, but they don't really add much to Wayne's story. Right. So I'm interested to see what your answer is. I think it's just because she's this most random character that came into my head. It was um, Katie Bell. I don't know why. Cause it, year six goes by so fast. I think year six goes by faster than year five, honestly. It the, feels like it, it does. does. It, it doesn't, like it does. but it feels like it does. I don't know. Like, that's the thing, though. I don't know how she would play into... But what happens to her in year six is... Right. Yeah. We can talk philosophically about what, what would happen if Wayne saw the Katie Bell situation in Hogsmeade and whatnot. I would have really loved to see... Especially if there were more scenes with Blondo, mm -hmm. having Lucius in there. Mm. That's a great answer, too. That is a really good answer. Those are both good answers. I would love to have, just have a scene with Wayne in Diagon Alley and put so much more strain on story and whatnot, but having like a Flourish and Blots scene or something like that. Right. Having, uh, having the trio. Especially seeing Wayne and Oliver react in Diagon Alley. Yeah. It would be so funny. I love that answer. Yeah, yeah that was a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Shout I, out to Katie I, Bell. I said Umbridge and she said Luna. And but so, actually, that one, but that one makes sense, though. That's exactly that's what we Because said. Luna is basically, I mean, like, as much as she is a Ravenclaw and whatnot, she is a floater and, like, she just fits in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It yeah. would work so well. I, I can see Luna and Wayne, like, being friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. If you could play another track in this show, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. I want to do Jay Finch's track. Just That's just what I thought you would Zach Smith. Just because Zach Smith. Zach Smith is so perfect. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, <laughs> hopefully he will be. He's <laughs> going to be. Don't you worry. I believe in you, sir. Thank you. Aww. Thank you. I'm working out more and more on being a dick to people. So. It's oh. super funny to begin with, <laughs> is though. That what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Amping it up. It's great. great. I freaking love it. <laughs> And like I like I like our production because it's just like I just like seeing it through different eyes. Mm. It's been nice to see the show, especially with going over to Brian's. Brian's always just like, "You want to watch Puffs?" It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what we all do in our free time. Honestly, not, not that's what he does in his free I've time. Seen it several times. I mean, honestly, I got the Broadway HD trial just so that I could watch it. I watched it like as soon as like I got the call, I was like, "Hey, you want to play?" Well, that was when I was still cast as Oliver. Oh, oh yes. And I was right. like rewatching it and whatnot. And I was just like, yeah, I made the right decision. This oh, is so yes. fun. This is so much fun. <laughs> what are your, some of your favorite moments in the show? Oh my gosh. I think the one when we had our, our one on ones with Dan we talked a lot about this, the pivotal scene, the last scene we see Cedric in. That is absolutely one of my favorite moments because it is so pure. It's an important part to the plot just because we see Wayne giving up and Cedric really pushing him forward, being like, no, 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 you can do this. You're absolutely like in the right. The puffs go through periods of time where they're all dejected and whatnot, but it was so important to see that final scene because Cedric is such a structure in the puff house and to see, have that ripped away so fast, especially, spoiler alert, um, after the, <laughs> I know, I know. 
But um, after the, the Triwizard tragedy, it's such a important scene because it just builds up the rest of the story, I think, for all the puffs, not just Wayne, but like all the puffs. But I would say that scene, just because it's it makes me laugh every time, year three, elective scene. And you know why, Tara. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. Guess what? It's ancient. It's ancient truth. <laughs> Is that your favorite line? That's why I think that Brian and I will look at each other sometimes and be like... <laughs> Can anyone tell me how old this room is? Guess what? It's ancient. It's an ancient room. Well, so much pressure to be better at that scene. It's so funny though. <laughs> oh, mean, your hat in the mug studies professor <laughs> kills me. <laughs> I love that scene. I love the battle. Just uh, just because we just started, we just finished staging it, mm-hmm. and I think it's so brilliantly staged. When like once we start like getting it on its feet in the theater, and whatnot. One, so I can only fun. imagine what's gonna happen between us trying to get from like one side of the stage to the other. We're oh, gonna. Me too. I just die. <laughs> We break so much in doing the lines, so I'm just waiting to see what happens when we're in transitions and just—it's it's not gonna be clunky, but like we're just gonna—we're gonna have moments where we're just gonna be like, "Oh shit!" and we're just gonna have to stop and so laugh. We have to run that fucking scene a hundred times oh, every yeah. night. Honestly, like instead of having like a like a lift call or a dance call, we have the battle call. Yeah. <laughs> battle call. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Battle call. And like, it's exhausting because we really are. It's really exhausting. Yeah. I don't think, I think the only people who, because like every one of us plays different characters. Because uh-huh. I don't know about y'all, but my Death Eaters are different. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you so much. Oh my gosh. fun. I love podcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell everyone to listen to us. Absolutely. Please listen to Basic Snitches. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Thank Thanks, you. Kyle. Absolutely. Why is your mic so big? Well, there's this part that comes off that muffles. Oh. Um, so, so it's just the tip that's so big. Yes. <laughs> okay. You can actually see on here, like, when I took the thing off, because the sound got grainy. Oh, interesting. Um, yes. So it's helpful that yes. the tip yes. is so large. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is Sarah Price. Hi! Sarah is playing Leanne. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your character in the show, and what your real life house is. So my real life house is Ravenclaw, although a lot of times I just say Raven Puff because I, I feel like I'm pretty puffy, but I'm more Ravenclaw. I'm like mm-hmm. 52% Ravenclaw and 40% Hufflepuff and 0% the other two houses. <laughs> <laughs> I am very much like Leanne in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Leanne is, she's very excitable and curious about things. Uh, she kind of just has no filter and talks really fast and just says what she's thinking. Like, she just speaks as like her train of thought. Like there's no filter between her brain having a thought and what comes out of her mouth, which I feel like I am known for as well sometimes. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we are very alike in that way. Um, she gets very excited about the smallest things, which I feel like I also do that as well. The, the thing that is different is that she did not know people or what children. She was raised by her grandparents. So she did not meet any other children until she came to school. It's almost like Camille Schmidt a little bit in a little ways. Like she mm-hmm. doesn't know, like she's so... She's sheltered. Yes, she, she's so sheltered that she doesn't know anything. So she just has this sense of wonder about everything. Like everything is new and exciting to her. What was your favorite thing about Puffs the first time you saw it during the, during Fathom events? 
oh, that's so hard to pick one thing. <laughs> like the thing that just stuck with you when when we left the theater because I was there. Yes, which was <laughs> yes, we were all there. We were all there together the first time I you saw were there, it. And you were there. I loved how much heart it had. I mean, obviously the show was hilarious. It was funny, but it still had so much heart behind it, but like in such a smart way. I don't know, I just think it's so clever. And uh, I just loved how it brought heart to a house that no one really gets to learn that much about in the main Harry Potter book. I loved all the characters. Like they're very like quirky and over the top in some ways, but they all have a lot of heart behind them, so. You play other characters in the show other than Leanne. <laughs> yes. Which one is your favorite and why? Oh, I can't choose between them. I love Ginny just because Ginny is one of my favorite characters in the books anyway, but like in Puffs, she's just very like, ha <laughs> like fat fit and shallow and annoyingly high pitched, but it's fun to play. I love Frenchie one because I can't do French accents, but all, literally all she says is, ooh, baguette. And I just like, I, it's so silly and fun. And mm -hmm. I like playing like a flirty little French girl. And then Helga, I feel like is very much like the heart of Puffs. So I love her because she, as the founder of the Puffs and like the story that she gets to tell, I think is so important to the show. What is your favorite scene to perform in the show? I'm really bad with choosing between things. I like everything. Um, my favorite scene to perform in the show. Gosh, there's so many fun. Oh no, the end, the end battle scene, like Leanne's big monologue at the end. It calls back to the beginning when we're all introducing ourselves. Yeah, I just, I love the end, how like heartfelt she is and where she, she like finally gets to the point where she like, cause she very much wants to belong and fit in. And so I think a lot of stuff early on she's, doing things because like, oh, it seems like that's what everyone else is doing. But at the end, she's like, wait, no, everyone wants to go, but no, that's not right. And she like steps out even if that might not be what everyone else wants to do. I love that, that speech. That Absolutely. is one of my favorite things in the entire show. Yes. Well, thank you, Sarah. Yes. Thanks, Sarah. Yes. Thanks for having me. Um this is Andrew Keller. He is playing lots of Fun roles. We'll talk about yeah. that when you. Yeah, I wave to the microphone as he if they can the see me. It was wonderful. Um, Andrew, tell us about the characters you play and tell us about your actual Hogwarts house and okay. about you. Think chronologically. The first character I play is um, the little reference to Hagrid, which is the giant, and yes. uh, which is a, it's a brief little moment, but it has a nice little punchline there. Just okay, bye. <laughs> We're done. See ya. It's fun. Then it's Ernie Mac, who's this very <laughs> self-centered full of himself kind of he's like probably the most gryffindor of the <laughs> of yeah, the puffs um he's probably a griffin puff he's a lot of fun and then next is a certain potions teacher so he's the snape reference you know and then i do the quarrel reference mr professor turban Joe. professor yeah. turban and next um i think this the headmaster yeah. Again, the second headmaster. Oh, Mr. Nick. Oh my gosh, you have so many. Mr. Nick. Next is the history of magic professor. Mm -hmm. Then it's Mr. Nick. And then it's the second headmaster. Then it's uh, Moody. The real Mr. Moody. The real Mr. The real Moody. Mr. Moody. And then I play Sal in the puppet show. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. I'm not sure. 
Oh my gosh. And of course, Death Buddy and Bad Oh, and the Death Buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. All that. But, but yeah. Yeah, I think you have the largest. I think I do. Yes. I think I do. Because there are so many moments of like in and out, like the Scooby-Doo moments where it's like, come mm-hmm. in, say a line, goodbye. Yeah. You yeah. know. But my real house is actually, I'm a Gryffindor. Yay, Gryffindors. Yay, Gryffindors. Oh, Sorry. (laughs) But my real house is Gryffindor, which I had never, I didn't know. I had a feeling until I took the Pottermore test. So I was pretty. That's the official one, they they tell me. So So tell us about yourself. Like what? Tell us about Andrew. What about Andrew? I don't know. He's at home. I have a podcast as well. I do have a podcast. That's one hobby I have. It's called Kind of Sober. You guys want to check that out. It's, we're on everything Spotify, iTunes, Potomatic, if you guys follow Potomatic. Um, is that I'm not familiar with Potomatic. Potomatic, that's our that's our uh, what do you call it? Our host site. Host oh, so okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to check us out? That would be great. And we were on a summer break for a while, and now we're back recording new episodes. Our new episode should be out Tuesday. So right. yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll start listening. Well, I will. I can't. I can't. Speak oh no, for I'm Adam. listening too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A drunk podcast sounds yeah adjacent to basic Spanish. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I have a drink here, so I now I feel more at home. So, like you talked about, you play like dozen. Dozens. Seems like it, yeah. <laughs> dozens. You play like forty-eight characters. Forty-eight characters. <laughs> you play a dozen characters. Which one is your favorite to play? It seems the obvious choice, but I really like the headmaster. Not only is there a lot of room for one-liners, but there's a lot of room for actual emotional growth like at the we have that really nice scene at the end with wayne mm-hmm. where we talk about you know it's not just you know the important characters or the obvious characters that we should pay attention to it should be everyone right. and we're all important and i really like that speech even though it ends with a hilarious anyway. um anyway <laughs> kind of moment so i won't spoil that one but yeah i really like his arc as a character and i really like exploring that so i like that the little interjection with the teacup is oh, that's my favorite. I'm so yeah, too. yes. I, I yeah. do love the teacup and the running gag that he doesn't know who anybody is except Harry. If you could add any Hogwarts professor to Ernie's track, who would it be and why? I miss Charms. Flitwick would have been fun. Yeah. If we had a reference to like Warwick Davis or something, oh, right. you know. Oh, because he's a freaking legend. Yeah. And you have to do it like on your knees. Yeah. <laughs> that would be. I think I really expected Flitwick to be in the. Because I didn't, I didn't know the show until I did it, so yeah. I was really disappointed about Charms. I think that's yeah. what I would add in. I think that that would have been a really fun addition. Mm, yeah. I like, the first that. Charms lesson from the first movie, like, they could have really embellished on that. Oh, yeah. Especially because they refer to it in the show, right. too. Oh, yeah. We always talk about how Charms is one of our favorite classes. Yeah. <laughs> the last question that we have for you, I don't know if you know this, but this show is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, which scene is the hardest to keep a straight face in? Because you are one of many people in this cast who react to things, which is Oh, I, I call myself the Jimmy Fallon of every cast I'm in. <laughs> when I'm in a comedy, I laugh at everything. So I could say everything, but I think the part that I have the hardest keeping a straight face is hard. There are so many. There really are so many. I'm trying to, like, there are so many. It's hard to pinpoint a moment. Like, a lot of Susie Bones, like, just her one-liners, when Katie just comes out and, like, says something, her Myrtle, too, always cracks me up. I'm smiling through the whole show. Like, I, I can't think of just one, I think. That's so funny. Yeah, like, I agree Susie Bones is one-liners like even just the way that she has her temper tantrum and then she that's it yeah i'm so glad i'm not on stage for that right. part yes i think and if there's a part that like myself like i don't have trouble if i'm doing something but usually but like the sex ed bit always you know that's gonna be tough for me to not <laughs> laugh while i'm doing that so. the orchestration that dan did over that yes too is so hilarious, hilarious. 
Unbelievable. So funny. Oh so my cool. gosh. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you so I'm so much. glad to be on the show. Yes, and thank you for telling us about your podcast. Check us out. Yeah, kind absolutely. of sober. Kind of sober. Alrighty. Check him out. Thank you. Thanks, Sweet. guys. Thanks. Next, we have Jay Sigler, who is playing Oliver, um, the first of our trio. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and who Oliver is and what your real life house is. Oh, okay. Uh, well, first of all, I am a math teacher, high school math teacher. Yay! <laughs> I, yay! <laughs> I teach uh, mainly geometry, algebra two, and calculus. So you know, I I like math a little bit. Um, Oliver is the math genius of the uh, Puffs world. I guess he's like a little bit of a. Hermione slash Ron slash mix sort of kind yeah, of or something yeah, a, little yeah, bit. a little bit maybe yeah. or not not really but kind of and my actual house would probably be Ravenclaw smart people yes mm, yeah I mean I'm a smart math guy. teacher yeah so yeah. <laughs> how do you relate to Oliver since you are a math guy oh yeah pretty much it... I'm, yeah I mean I'm Oliver maybe not quite so ner- nerdy necessarily <laughs> but we both like math a lot I think yeah if I went to a wizarding school. I'd probably be a little bit insecure about the wizarding part because <laughs> it's it would be a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Um, I don't know if this is one of the other questions, but I read the books when they first came out, and then uh, I watched all the movies when they first came out. But I have never read them again, <laughs> so a lot of the references I'm always like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, so I feel a little bit like Oliver in that way too for puffs. That's actually really great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes for Oliver, especially with you playing it, is the part during the battle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the specific oh. math part. Mm-hmm. When he gets to come at Get math. shine with the math. Well, because you're using all these math terms, and all of us are like, we don't know what this is. <laughs> and it's just, it fits really, really well. Yeah, well, it, it's partly, I mean, I'm good friends with the, the person who plays Wayne, Brian. <laughs> so I was just trying to be annoying and whispering math words into his ear. <laughs> And it just worked. So. I love that. That's even better. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Like, that seems really great. It's even better now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, of course, Oliver starts as being one of the more remedial puffs, not as um, accustomed to the wizarding world, even among a group of students who aren't often the brightest. Then, at the end of the show, he comes in to save the day kind of at the last minute. Tell us a little bit more about the growth of Oliver throughout the entire show and his arc. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, yeah, he definitely starts out because uh, he was going to go to the Mathematical Institute of Oxford. So he starts out as thinking he's, you know, a genius, and then he gets cut down because now he's at this wizarding school and he has no idea how to do wizarding. So he starts out really insecure. Um, and then, yeah, slowly through, I think he kind of builds up to being a better wizard. Uh, I think by year six, he finally has mastered all of the spells up to year three so you know <laughs> so there's that and uh and through his friendship with wayne and megan i think they really kind of grow and then yeah and then he comes in the, the battle at the end and kind of saves the day a little bit for one scene at least so okay can you tell us a math joke oh yeah i'll tell you my favorite math <laughs> joke. Yay, math okay, this is my favorite math joke what type of underwear does a math mermaid wear i don't Oh, and it's going to try to figure it out. You ruin jokes this way. (laughs) Jokes are supposed to be solved. It's kind of a riddle. It's a riddle slash joke. I got nothing. I don't know. An algebra. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) God. (laughs) So terrible. (laughs)
but so good. Hey, but it's relevant also because mermaids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. mermaids. There you go. It all comes back in all full circle. You did great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you Thanks for, so much, for Definitely. That. No problem. Next, we have Tessa Gaffney, who is playing Megan Jones. Tell us about yourself and about Megan and about which house you are actually in. I'm Tessa. I am at the University of Akron in the Arts Administration program. And Megan is misunderstood. She feels like she wants to be something other than her family and how she's always thought of. And she struggles with figuring out who she is outside of other people's expectations. And I am a Slytherin. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> She's my only Slytherin sister in this whole show. <laughs> so Megan has a little bit of an identity crisis, like you said, but she eventually settles into being a puff. Tell us a little bit more about that and her kind of like journey through the four houses and how you kind of relate to that while primarily being a snake. Sure. So when she starts out, she full on thinks she's a snake. She wants to embody this idea that she has of her mom as this like badass follower of you know who. She tries to get in with Malfoy and he does not accept her. And <laughs> so taking that rejection the next year, she decides that she likes books. And so she is going to become a smart. She's not really that into it when Dumbledore says that school's out she's like all right cool book suck <laughs> i'm done with that now and then she's like all right well i'm gonna be a brave this year notable things happen to the braves and when still the thing that she thinks is gonna happen to her doesn't she's really upset and then she actually ends up meeting her mom and she's not who she thought she was at all and so that shattered this identity that she was holding on to, that she was trying to aspire to. And she finally starts to try to figure out on her own, like what matters to her. And so, I mean, that's definitely relatable, trying to like find your own identity outside of your family and the things that people expect out of you based on where you come from. I play your mom in the show. So that's kind of fun for me. Tell us about the dynamic between Megan and Xavier from Megan's point of view. From what I understand, she is like this mythical creature in Megan's life that she's like, okay, the one person in my family who isn't part of this loser house that I don't identify with at all. She has been in prison my whole life and for some reason like that is inspiring to me and I want to emulate her. Yeah, as soon as we meet, uh, it becomes very apparent that you're not who I think you are. Um, <laughs> You know, maybe you're also pretending to be something you're not, and um, that hasn't served you very well. Maybe I don't want to go down a path and end up in prison. For what? You know, like, you have no supporters or family or friends or anything, it seems. So I think definitely having these strong friendships and just recognizing that I can just lean into the person that I already am and, and try to figure out how to live life, like, inside that parameter. Mm -hmm. I think that gives you permission, like as my mother, to do the same. You're like, oh, okay, that's possible to live that way. And then you buy me a bunch of birthday presents. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of birthday presents yeah. coming your way. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is 
near the end, Xavier does something that Megan is a little bit upset with, and you do this, like, teenage mom moment. It's, like, so perfect. <laughs> it's great. I don't want to say too much about it, because it is a little bit of a, a big spoiler to especially Xavier's arc. I just really love that kind of dynamic between mom and daughter. <laughs> Do you have a specific scene that you are most excited to perform in front of an audience? Ooh, the battle, for sure. I haven't really done farce or anything, but I feel like this is the closest that I've gotten with just, like, running in and out of doors and, like, missed opportunities and passing each other and stuff. And just, like, it's real physical theater that... I haven't done maybe ever, so <laughs> I'm excited. Fun. Yeah, the battle is one of the best. Yeah, moments. dude, it's just like so quick. And uh, thank you so much. Thank yes. you. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the show? Yeah, come see it. Um, it is really funny, like content-wise on its own. It's great, and then we have a really strong cast that I'm excited. We have a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, it's always fun. <laughs> well, thank you, Tessa. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> And lastly, we have the crown jewel in this puff crown. This is Brian O. Jackson. He is playing Wayne, the pivotal character of the puffs. Welcome, Brian. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Wayne and what your real house is. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Brian. Uh, I been doing theater for quite a while. I work in customer service for a pet insurance company, so that's fun. I get to talk to people about their dogs all day. It's great. And then I get to go pretend to be whoever I want to be that night, wherever and whatever show I'm in. So, but I am very much a puff, very proud Hufflepuff. So that is part of what drew me to this show in the first place. I actually got a Hufflepuff tattoo a few months ago. And yep. what's his, what is his name? So the, <laughs> the tattoo is the Hufflepuff badger with a yellow and black scarf on, and it's got the Deathly Hollows behind it, and the badger's name is Wayne. I love that. It's so amazing. <laughs> If you weren't a puff, what house do you think you would be sorted into? Probably Slytherin. Hell yeah. 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 No, I'd say I'm a... So, I say I'm a Slither puff, even though I feel like that makes it sound like I'm more Slytherin than puff. I just think that Slither puff sounds better than Hufflin. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Every day I'm Hufflin, but no, I prefer Slytherin. Slither puff. How has playing Wayne changed your view of the series? Oh, that's a good question. And I don't even know that it's so much playing Wayne as seeing the show because I watched the live recording of it about a thousand times before I even found out we were doing the show. But I think that it definitely adds a really good, more human perspective to it because Wayne is very much an average Joe kind of guy who wants to be something amazing and special, but he's just not. And I feel like that is a very human characteristic. Everyone grows up thinking that they're going to change the world and be something big, and not many people actually do. So it's really great to see that perspective in the wizarding world. What is your favorite book in the Harry Potter series, and why? (sighs) Favorite book? I would probably say Prisoner of Azkaban, because I love the time travel aspect of it. I always thought that was so much fun. And it's also... My favorite movie, too? Well, I don't know. Okay, it's it's hard to top Deathly Hollows. But I love the style of the third one and how different it is from the first two, specifically in the movie. It's a very different director, so very different style. So I always loved that. But as far as the book goes, it has a different feel to it. It starts to get a little darker, and it just uh, the time travel thing I just always thought was so clever and unexpected that it's twist after twist after twist, and I always loved that. 
that is also my favorite book. I used to always think that it was the Goblet of Fire, and I do still enjoy Goblet of Fire, but the more I think about Goblet of Fire, the more problematic it is to me. And also Puff's kind of helped me realize how problematic it is. <laughs> For example, out of the three tasks, one is visually entertaining to the audience. Yeah. And that is task one. Yeah. Because task two and three is the audience staring at a lake and at a maze. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So not to mention, you know, you have students from these other schools coming in. The ones who didn't get chosen with the Triwizard Tournament, what are they doing? Are they just a part of this new school for a whole year and part of other people's classes away from their yeah. friends and all of that? <laughs> Like, yeah. I want to see a show from the Bobatons perspective. Right? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Because that's awkward. You know, it's funny because they release these limited edition books for each house. Tara actually gave me the uh, Philosopher's Stone for the first one. And for Goblet of Fire, there's a little image of Fleur on the Ravenclaw and Victor on the Slytherin covers because that's who they stayed with when they were there mm -hmm. but we know so little information other than that that this is a conversational course maybe for god fire when we eventually do that but yeah maybe we'll talk yeah. more during that's time. fair yeah that already got me thinking more for a book that we <laughs> let me let me reread that book episodes. figure yeah. out just how problematic it is and then i'll come back anything else you have to say about the show and oh it's going great it's it's a lot of fun i mean we're really just all having a blast with it and there's so many props I love the props in this show. Mm -hmm. um, Dan has come up with some really great ideas, and we've had a lot of fun making the props. And the thing that's great about Puffs is the whole show is about these people who aren't that great. So if the props look cheap and silly, it's even better. So I have no shame in the props that I have made that probably look terrible. Because... Hey, I think it's I've even better. So far, looks great. <laughs> like I'm really, really excited for it. And, and everybody in the show is great in their own right too. Mm -hmm. I think. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's fun because I feel like I am Wayne. This is what I would be like if I was a wizard. <laughs> it's not much different. What do you different. mean if you were a wizard? Shh. We're not telling people. We're telling people this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine. I literally am Wayne. Uh, yes. Actually. Um, so many of us have said. We like, already knew that. Like, Sarah is Leanne. Yeah. Tara is Hannah. Offended. <laughs> you said that earlier. I did. Roll it back, listeners. True. I mean, Tara came up to me when the rights for Puffs were going to be released, and she was like, listen, if we get this show, you're playing Wayne. This is true. When I saw the show the first time, I was like, that's Brian Jackson. Yeah. It's actually Zach Moon, but it's also Brian Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> what in the show are you most excited for an audience to see? Just a lot of the references, I think, are so clever. There's so many references to the different aspects of Harry Potter. You know, you have references to the books, you have things that clearly make fun of what happens in the movies, you have pop culture references, like literally referencing Neville Longbottom, you know, being ugly and, oh, he's going to stay ugly forever. You know, references like that, I think, are just so brilliant. Not to mention the 90s references. We all know that Harry Potter takes place in the 90s, but we don't really talk about it. Like, it's never, like, there's nothing in the books or movies that are like, oh, that's really 90s. So Puffs right. very much is just like, hey, just a reminder, this is the 90s, and the 90s were great. So let's make sure people know yes, that this was in the 90s. Like me walking out at the start with an old school Game Boy. 
Shout out to Katie for having one. Right? Yeah. Right? Literally, like, it, it wasn't even like, a, oh, I might have one. I might be able to find it somewhere. No. She was like, oh, I have one. <laughs> and, like, the exact one we needed, too. Like, the old school giant gray box Game Boy. That's so great. And it works. <laughs> it actually works. It just needs new batteries, but it works. So if I ever miss an entrance, you know why. Play in Tetris. Thank you so much for of course, being on this yeah. episode, Brian. Thank you. Looking forward to having you on maybe in the future. Oh, yes. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Keep me posted. Oh, yes. Keep listening. Well, that's Puffs. Come see the show September 20th through the 22nd, 2019 at Broadview Heights Spotlights. Tickets are only $10. For more information, go to broadview-heights-spotlights.org. Say bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery, edited by Adam Bowers, and published by Tara Corkery via Podbean, and now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking time to download and listen, and we hope you enjoyed us. Also, a super special thanks to our fellow Puffs cast and crew, Kyle Burnett, Tessa Gaffney, Daniel Hunsicker, Brian O. Jackson, Andrew Keller, Nathan Ott, Sarah Price, and Jay Sigler. And to Olivia Petri, who will be playing Sally, Katie Poshner, who will be playing Susie, and Clarice Bush, our stage manager. They couldn't join us today, but we still love all of you, too. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars and leave a review on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our fans and want to hear your perspectives and answers to the questions that we talk about on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, later, snitches. snitches!